crushed, stomped, absolutely obliterated. What other words can we use to describe the BC basketball game against UNC? I'll give you a few more adjectives on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy New Year's, everyone. This is Locked on Boston College. I am AJ Black, your editor and publisher. Happy 2022, everyone. Hope you had a great celebration. On today's show, we're going to dive into the basketball game, which was not pretty gritty or anything in between at all. And we'll also jump into some of the news from this weekend, including BC Hockey winning a tournament and BC Women's Basketball also not looking too hot as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium sound soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. All right, so on Saturday, Boston College basketball faced off with the 9-3 UNC Tar Heels and got absolutely smoked 91 to 65. Now, this was a game that was originally supposed to be played on Saturday, but because of pro- uh, COVID protocols, they pushed the game off a day. Now, that being said, there was no one at this game other than UNC fans. It was absolutely dead. And I'm not blaming students because I know students are on vacation right now. And I also get it that with the, with the huge spike in COVID numbers, some people aren't feeling comfortable to go to games. But man, it was dead at this game. It was absolutely dead. And, you know, part of it also is because the game was not supposed to be on Sunday and some people just couldn't get to it. It was just tricky. But fans excluded, it doesn't excuse for what Boston College looked like during this game. The first half was absolutely brutal as Boston College only scored 20 points and got outscored 49-20 where they shot 17% in the first half. 16.7 to be precise. They couldn't do anything on offense. They just were, it was listless, um, you know, getting, you know, ISO shots and trying to get pick and rolls that just weren't working. And then the three-point shooting was just abysmal. They shot two of 12, again, for 16, 16.7%. And on the defensive end, it wasn't much better. They, I mean, um, you know, UNC had a, a trio of guys that were just crushing them. Manic, uh, Love, and Bacot, who I had as my player to watch, uh, Davis, they were all just doing whatever they wanted against that defense. The deep BC's defense just did not put up much of a fight. It was a very, uh, they looked so rusty out there. And I don't know if it was the three-week layoff. You know, Boston College had their last two games canceled because of COVID postponement. But um, you could act, you could see it just did not look like this a very competent team against a UNC team that looked really good. It was an eight-point spread going in this game. And if you, if you took UNC, you had an easy win there. I'm just going to put it that way. So, first half. You know, they fall behind. And, they they you know, UNC is going on like 19-3 runs. 16-4 runs. Just run after run after run. And BC has no answer. Again, it goes back to the offense that Boston College does not have a score. They don't have a score on this team. You know, we going into the season, we're hoping that it would be DeMar Langford. You saw streaks of that against some of the lesser opponents. But... You didn't see much of that, uh, much of DeMar in this game. You know, he only had um, two points. Uh, Sorry, he had four points. His brother had two points in the first half. And so, you know, Jaden Zachary was not doing well. No no one. I mean, James Karnick was 
awful. He had a he went one of seven. At Makai Ashton Langford went one of six. Just it was it was a rough rough game to watch in that first half. And so by the halftime it was over. Like you you could have just you know checked out and watched something else. But of course I'm doing this podcast so I watched the whole thing. It was a better second half on one hand. You know the offense was clicking a little bit more. You, you hate to say this though. You have to wonder how much of that was UNC just taking their foot off the gas. Like I mean, they could they could have scored 110 points if they wanted to, but it seemed like, you know, they just decided to lay off. But the offense, you saw a little bit more out of it. Um, you saw in the second half, um, Jaden Zachary started to kick it up. He had 11 points. Mikhaish Langford, they both shot four or six from the field in the second half, and then you saw some bench players come in because the game was a complete blowout at this point. I mean. You kind of expected this was going to go down that road after that first half, but, you know, BC would make a little bit, like, they would get some of the chunk back, you know, like, they were down 30, they'd bring it down to, like, 23, and then they let up, like, another three again, it was, like, right back at it. They couldn't do anything on defense to stop any of these guys, and a lot of it, I, you know, the defense was struggling interior-wise, like, some of those bigs on, on UNC just were, like, walking up and just laying it in, but the the bigger issue to me was that UNC in the second half went 6 of 10 from three-point range. And all of that was on great passing by the Tar Heels. They were just, you know, whipping the ball around, and then BC couldn't keep up with their passes. And, you know, the Tar Heels would just find an open guy, and boom, three. They did it every single time. BC has a major problem on their hands with this offense because they cannot consistently find someone to get points. They don't have an outside scorer. They don't have one right now. You know, they'll have moments where they could get it. In this game, we saw um, Jaden Zachary hit two in the second half. And then that was it. I mean, Gianni Thompson, who I know a lot of you guys were very excited about, got to play a little bit more, and he hit two three-pointers. He's going to get back into these games, man. Like, BC has no bench right now. (laughs) Right now, your bench is, uh, well, Quentin Post started, so it was TJ Bickerstaff and um, Brevin Galloway and a little bit of Kanye Jones. But then you need to get, like, if you're going to be a competitive team, if you're going to roll against some of these powerful programs, you need to be able to have some guys come off your bench to do some things. What we got out of the bench was Brevin Galloway. Thank goodness he was back because, you know, you like seeing him. You don't want to see his career end the way it looked like it might have ended. You saw him, but, like, you don't have anyone, like, on the bench. You're gassing out your starters. You don't have anyone off the bench to come in and spell them. You have no specialists at all. You have no outside shooters other than Galloway, who at points, I mean, he was not, he, he was off. He does not, he did not have a good game. Um, and so you saw BC just completely wolf down the, down the, down the, the, um, the pike there. Just, it just was not a pretty game. It was, it was bad. And in a moment, we'll talk about where BC basketball stands. And I'll give you my thoughts on what our expectations are of the program right now and what are fair or what's not fair assessments of where the program has come so far. Um, and we'll talk a little bit, bit about that in just a second. Well, it's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It might be even better than a candy bar. I like it because I don't feel guilty after and they are delicious. They help you stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good. You don't, you'll want to eat them. I have one every day around 2.30. gives me the power I need to get through a busy day and to deal with two kids at home. You'll want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you're going to be thinking, it's not worth it. Where is the chocolate? You know where you get it. 
Built Bar. They're 100% covered in chocolate. And listen to the flavor profile in any most of the flavors. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, no comparison. It's Built Bar everywhere. So head on over to Built.com and check out some of the flavors they have. They have specialty flavors out all the time, including, co- and then they have the regulars, the OG flavors like coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check out Built.com see what they got. Head to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Welcome back. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. And as I said before, Happy New Year. We're talking about the basketball game. Boston College losing 91-65 to UNC. Their first ACC loss after they got their Wake Forest loss repealed due to the new COVID violation. Uh, COVID protocols, excuse me, not a violation. Um, and for some of you who had wondered... I saw a lot of people um, on Twitter talking about this. There were a couple of players. I know Brevin Galloway was one of them wearing a mask during the game. And I think that's part of the new ACC regulations. Um, I can't get into who had it or who not, but I'm sure you can figure it out, right? Um, but I think after you are out of your quarantine and you do the five days that you're supposed to do now for the ACC, you have to wear a mask for the next five. I think that's what it is. So um, that kind of gives you the answer to that. It's not them. Um, I saw people tagging like Clay Travis on there. It, it there's a reason behind it. It's the it's the conference that's doing that. So I saw some people asking about that. Um, it's part of the new conference um, protocol. So there's a couple guys had them on. Honestly, would much rather have them wearing masks than not playing at all. So it's a step in the right direction. So tough loss. And by tough, I mean it was abs- I mean if you're watching that, I mean most of you probably were like at, at halftime like f this, I'm going home. I'm gonna watch something else. Um, but I saw some really tough comments about this, and I wanted to kind of address where I think Boston College basketball is at and what's fair criticism and what's not fair criticism of the Eagles at this point. So, first of all, losing to Albany, that was a really bad loss. There's not really much you can say to that other than that was bad. BC has bad losses like that a lot, and that's on the coaching staff for not having them ready for that. This loss, on one hand, you don't ever want to lose by 25, 30 points. And as, as we said earlier, UNC could have won by 40 if they kept the gas going in the second half, but they laid off. So really bad loss. And there's a few things to think about in terms of where the team is at right now. They're 6-6. Six and six. They really haven't won anything. They won the Notre Dame game, and that's basically been it. The rest of them have been kind of bunny games. But looking at where they're at, you need to contextualize where the program is as a whole, right? So Earl Grant walks into a program that loses like five or six of their start top scores from last year. You lost CJ Felder, Felder, Rich Kelly, Jay Heath, Steph Mitchell, and I think that's it. I think those are the the leading scores that they lost. But you lost them, and whether they were going to fit in the system or not, it's still a loss. You're losing a huge but a huge chunk of your productivity from last year. Big loss there. Heath, I'm mean, sorry, Earl Grant has to come in and try to fix that in as best of a way as he can. So what does he do? He brings in some guys that he knew at College of Charleston, and, you know, guys like Brevin Galloway, Jaden Zachary, um, uh, Devin McLaughlin, who we haven't even seen play yet. You know, all these other recruits that they got he, were guys he knew at College of Charleston. Are they ACC-level players? You know, you could argue either or. Um, we haven't seen much. Uh, Jaden Zachary probably is the most dynamic of that group so far, but what you're gonna th- what you're gonna see is 
this first year of crop of players, right? They had to be basically slapped together with duct tape to make a team together. This is not even a full, like, real recruiting class. You have guys like Gianni Thompson on there, you know, Damar Lankford, who are not even guys that he brought in, but guys that you could build around. But you haven't really even got a year of what Earl Grant... I mean, he hasn't even gotten a full year. He got, like, six, seven months to put a team together. Recruiting is a long-term process. It's a t- It takes time. You saw it with Halfley. That they take, you know, what recruits don't just immediately see Earl Grant and go, hey, I'm going to commit to you. doesn't work that way. 90% of recruits, 90 to 95, it's all about building relationships. You know, the dude calls me all the time. He texts me. He had me on campus two or three times. That's the kind of stuff that builds dividends. And you you saw it with the class of 2022 with guys like Prince Agabee, Agabee uh, Donald Hand, um, Chaz Kelly, some of the guys that are coming in are much higher recruits than the guys that you know Grant brought in. Because the guys that Grant brought in were guys that he could have brought to College of Charleston. So hence, a lot of the guys that you're seeing, you know, maybe a couple years down the road, might be more role players or they could develop into ACC players, but they're not there yet. So you have a team that's missing all sorts of things. Like, they have no outside shooter at all. They are struggling defensively. They don't have much depth. They uh, they don't have any depth. Um, there's a lot of issues on that. And I, for the folks that are like, it's the coaching staff that lost it. There's, I mean, the, the coaching staff should be able to prevent them from losing by 40 or whatever to, to UNC. And they should not be losing to Albany. But giving up on this staff right now is, is, is silly. It's not the right thing to do yet. And that is because you haven't gotten the whole picture yet. Um, and believe me, I'm not, I'm not sold on Earl Grant yet. I'm not there yet. I need to see it, but I'm not also quick to say, Oh, we're 11 games in. I'm, I'm, I'm about to jump off the ship and give up on him. Cause I don't think that's fair either. I think we need some time call the worst thing. The one thing I hate about college sports is that it takes some time. You have to build your program. It, like a school like Boston college. It's not like, snap your fingers, and the team is relevant again. Look at what Wake Forest did. It took them two or three years. It's going to take Boston College two or three years to see if Earl Grant is going to work, if he can bring in the right system and right players, but we don't know that yet. We're seeing guys that are kind of just brought in so that they have warm bodies or guys that you know thought he would work at College of Charleston, but next year, you'll see the difference start to come in. Again, Donald Hand, he's, he's, he's going to be as good, if not better, than anyone on that roster right now. He's a shooter. He can move the ball. He can, I mean, you know, he can, he can, he, he can create his own shot. He is dynamic in a way that Boston College needs. Be- I, I, I almost half wish that he would say, I'm going to declare now and become a Boston College teacher because they need him right now. You get him out there and you bring in a guy like Prince Agabee and a big like Armani Mighty, who has the greatest basketball name I think I've ever seen. And you'll see the depth start to build up. You'll see the talent start to build up. And we can't argue here or there yet if if Grant's going to be an in-game guy or if he's a guy that's going to choke up in big games. You know, against Albany, that was a big, you know, big issue. But I think there's bigger issues right now that will kind of weed themselves out at, by the end of the season. And hopefully we'll start to see things start to change in 2021, 2022-23. Uh, uh, for for Earl Grant and his squad, but I'm just gonna I'm putting it out there right now. I'd expect the rest of the season to be some really bumpy climbs, uh, bumpy roads, and you know expect some really bad 
bad games out there. But maybe, you know, as we saw with Notre Dame, he could shock some teams too. So we'll have to see where this program goes. I just... I, I I just think at this point it's it's unfair to say that Earl Grant is not the answer, but I'm also saying he may not be the he may not be the right one yet, but we don't know that yet. You gotta give him more time. Basketball is a long season and there's lots of development that could happen between now and March. Now in our final segment, I'm gonna talk a little bit about hockey. We'll get into the news of the weekend and talk about everything in between. Hey Eagles fans, this is AJ Black with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50% cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back up at Get Upside. Just download the app for the free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as $200 to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash just gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, and or e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to 25 cents a gallon put cash back on your first tank that's score at get upside this is aj black thank you all for listening i want to say thank you all who have made locked on boston college your first listen every morning every day because we're a every, we're a daily boston college podcast we're the only one that does this five days a week we talk about everything football recruiting we've had interviews we have everything on the show and if you have hit subscribe button if you gave us a five-star review on spotify or a five-star review on apple i want to thank each and every one of you you have made this podcast what it is today and we're on year two of our podcast and i am so happy to be doing this it you know some people are like how do you talk about boston college five days a week I love it because I love talking to you about it, and I I appreciate all the things that you guys say and getting all this information that I know out to you all. But let's talk a little bit of hockey. I mean, hockey is the bread and butter of BC sports, right? Well, BC hockey had a tremendous return to ice this weekend, winning the Ledyard Classic at Dartmouth. They started the the, the return to high hockey uh, on Friday with uh, sorry Thursday with a 4-2 victory over Mercyhurst the Lakers which I did not know that was the name of their team uh Jack McBain scored a pair of goals in the win he has 11 on the season and Nikita Nesarenko one of my favorite names to say had a pair of assists Matt Argentina picked up his second of the year and Aiden Herzchuk registered his first collegiate goal in his four, on the fourth and final goal of the of the game so big win, you know, BC at this point had un, uh, extended their unbeaten streak to five games. They were 3-0-2. So, you know, they're 20th in the country. This kind of uh, rhythm, the start, momentum really starts to push BC up in the right. This is when you want to start winning games is what I'm trying to say. So they win this game. They're going to win the play the winner of Dartmouth and UNH. And based on the fact that we play UNH in the in the Hockey East, I was hoping for Dartmouth, and that's exactly what we got. And now in the finale, it wasn't even close. BC just absolutely destroyed um, Dartmouth six to one, and you know they just jumped out to a huge win. And this is their first win in the Ledger Classic since 2014. They've won it twice, 2010, 2014. McBain scored twice again. 
this guy is incredible. I mean, if you want to watch a good BC hockey player, McBain is, he was the tournament MVP. Uh, he now has 13 goals. Henry Wilder had another tremendous game. And it was just, you know, BC went out to a 3 nothing lead, and that was it. I mean, once you jump out to a lead like that with, with Wilder playing the way he was playing, uh, easy win for BC. So an excellent weekend for the hockey squad. Uh, Jerry York is now up to 651 career wins. And obviously, he's in the top of the um, all of all... Sorry, 650 wins, one wins for Boston College. Obviously, he has 11,000 and I, I, not 11,000, 1,100 plus wins total, but 650 plus with BC. Uh, Boston College is heading right in the right direction. This is exactly what you want to see uh, getting out of that break. They're going to return against UConn at Kelly Rink. So this is a perfect opportunity there. They've won four uh, out of their last six. They haven't lost in six games. This is a chance for them to really start to build some momentum and get this program going in the right direction. I, you know, as I said before, Boston College has a good mix of youth, and they brought in some transfers that bring in some veteran depth. And I think that's important heading into the the big parts of the season, as we've seen in years past. Boston College hockey has kind of wiltered when they play against some of these older teams that have more um, veteran players that have been around, that they know the systems. BC's starting to build some of that again and kind of working towards getting some of those guys and, you know, winning these two games. I mean, Dartmouth and Mercyhurst aren't, you know, they're not juggernauts, but you, you want to just win these games and win it decisively, and that's exactly what Boston College Hockey did. So I apologize. I said earlier, um, I, I there was two games for women's basketball. I, I kind of just said that they lost. They did lose to Louisville. They got beat by a really good Louisville team uh, pretty handily earlier in the weekend. But they also crushed UNH on Saturday, uh, 88-52. to This is, um, they're now 9-4. This is their 13th straight win over UNH. Uh, the, you know, Taylor Soul had 15 points. Yeah, Michaela Dickens, 13 points. Cameron Schwartz, 12 points. They really... Um, they took advantage of the, a really strong second half, a second quarter, went to the locker room up 55-23 and just took it over from there. So, you know, these are the games you want to see them win. What we're going to have to wait to see is how BC handles some of the other ACC squads because they did not look like they belonged on the same court as Louisville, but Louisville's a really good good team. So we'll see how they do against some of the lesser teams in the conference that they do play against. And finally, just some football transfer news. One name that we had talked about on BC Bulletin uh, as someone you might want to watch for was Vanderbilt defensive line uh, transfer Marcus Bradley, uh, who was basically, uh, it didn't sound like he was thrown off, but Clark Lay had some really tough words for him when he left. Well, he actually committed to uh, UMass and I saw a lot of people like freaking out about this. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I know BC offered him. BC offers lots of people, okay? Um, and they, that could be just to show that they have interest in him. But I don't know. I don't think it was that big of a deal because he's not going to be an impact player right off the bat. Obviously, he's a four-star, and you want to see guys like that on the squad. But he needed some development, as Mitch said in his progress report. You know, a lot of raw talent. But what BC needs next year is not Marcus Bradley. Marcus Bradley would be a guy to bring in and develop, and I don't know how long he'd last. <laughs> you know, if he if he really had such an attitude with with Vanderbilt, who knows what he would be like in our locker room. Um, but, you know, UMass can get him and develop him with Don Brown. Good for them, right? Good to get for them. I'm not going to say that that's bad. But I, don't, I still don't think it's that big of a deal for BC. If BC's going to go out and get a defensive lineman, which I still think they're going to do, I think they want someone who can contribute day one, a guy that has been developed, a guy that, uh, you know, has a year left and that really wants to be a starter. 
I don't think that was Marcus Bradley. So I think there'll be another name we'll see in the future. We'll we'll have it all up on bcbulletin.com or here on Locked on BC. This is AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk about BC football and hand out postseason awards with Mitch Wolf. We'll talk all about the, the, the highs and lows and everything in between with our friend Mitch. You can follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. You can follow uh, the podcast at LockedOnBC. Make sure if you listen to this podcast, subscribe to us on YouTube. We're up to 155 followers. I'd love to get us up to 200. And you can do that. All you have to do is go to YouTube.com, find Locked On Boston College, you know, create an account. It's totally free. Hit that subscribe button and make listening to on YouTube your daily routine as well. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all again tomorrow. Take care, everyone.